your environment comes from mine. We're talking about making beds. It's, it's the most productive thing, the first thing in the day. Yes, it's like starting your day by doing something that is cleaning and maintenance. What about doing something else that's cleaning? Look, your reason is because it's just going to get messy again, right? Yeah. Okay, that is so stupid. Why do people do anything? Why do people go on dates? Why do people read? You're just going to forget most of... People what? have ulterior motives. And there's very shallow motives. What's that? They have very shallow motives, very, very shallow outputs and results. For short-lived results. They don't long-term. People don't look for the long-term. They don't look for... They don't have clear, concise goals. What they want. This is you. They don't <laughs> yes. have a plan. <laughs> what else should we shit on with Dominic? <laughs> but no, to build off that, in Atomic Habits, which I haven't read, but James Clear, he was in a podcast, who is the author of that book, with Peter Tia. He was talking about habits... And one of the things that I took, like many, one of the many things I took away is that in the environments you're in, the place you live at, the place you work at, the place you study, if there are negative cues, if there's places that, if there's things that distract you, that will ultimately destroy your productivity, your creativity, anything. So like if you, <laughs> keep going. Go so, on. so if you're like, if your bed isn't made, if your room's always dirty, if you have, if your desk is just messy, there's distractions everywhere, there's a TV in your room, there's a PlayStation, your, your phone's always out, then then you're not going to get anything done. Your creativity, your productivity, anything is just going to decrease. For the longest time. See, what, what, do you, what do you picture someone's room is like when they have a messy bed that they haven't made? I got a picture of, of what the bed looked like when we, were, when, we were, when we were debating. and I'm talking about the rest of the room. What, the rest of the what room. What do you think the rest of the room would look like if, some, if someone didn't make their bed in the morning? I mean, I mean people, people have different, different um, relativisms of what clean is and my my bed's pretty orderly or not my bed my, my whole room's pretty orderly it could be it could be fixed up a little bit but people who got like a bunch of shit on their nightstand i have, nothing on I have like i have water i have books I have water. And, and books water and that's it and a fan what also depends on the size of your room what you have in your room what you do in your room and what's the purpose of your room it's like some yes. people some people like dom has a small room than me uh, has probably the same relative size room to Andrew. And, like, I don't know the size of your room, but, like, my room is big. I have a lot of stuff in there. Some of the things I do not need, and I also do a lot of things in there. Dominic may not, he may only, like, sleep in his room. He might do his homework, but he may not spend a lot of time in that room. So it depends on what he does in there. Do we all got TVs so, in our rooms? I have no. a TV, but I no longer use it. I need to get my TV Wait, out. Wait, hold on. What? I think we're missing the big idea. What's the and big idea? And that's that the idea of making your bed is just one example for something that you can do that improves presentation and habit forming as Ben mentioned habit form habits that seemingly don't mean anything but have an effect on your decisions that you make throughout the day you understand wait so like for example like if you choose to make your bed even though let me give you an not, example it's not necessarily meaningful in the moment you choose to 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 make your bed even though it's not meaningful in the moment but later in the day, you get into a bed that's made. At the end of the day, yes. you get into a bed that's made. You see, It shows you how a little step that you take in the morning can have an effect on you later that day. And so the idea of starting one habit of making your bed earlier in the day shows how long-term your environment will be impacted. And thus, you will be impacted later in not only the day, but the next week, the next month the next year shows how like just starting with one little habit 
one little simple task turns into a topic. Doesn't doesn't necessarily have to be making your bed. Making your bed is just some example, but to do something like that every single day gets you in the habit of doing something that is somewhat good for you, and just see see how it rewards you at the end of the day. All right, Nietzsche. Um, so, so, so what I used to do is I used to clean every single dish that I use. I, w- I would, and then, after, and then after each use, right? After each use, every single time. And, and I would make myself do it and it felt good to do it. But then my mom was like, I want those dishes in, in the dishwasher. So now I just clean every single thing that's like a Tupperware or something like that. It would drive you insane if, if you just put it in the sink or you had to put it in the dishwasher with everything else. You didn't clean everything because that's like your task. Yeah. So, so, so now I, I'm just I'm cleaning everything that's not a plate every single time and so on. But, but yeah, it, it's, it evolves into a, more atomic habits. I'm sure that's what the book is about. Well, it's funny enough, people, Peter Tia asked a question to James Clear was that, what was the purpose of the title? Was the title Atomic Habits meant to be like, like on an atomic level, like very small level, or was it supposed to be like very big? The point of that title was very specific and it was supposed to be that tiny habits make up a bigger environment makes up bigger future changes baby so like, steps that's what i'm saying you don't always have to take like big habits of like changing i don't know something really crazy or something that you do every single day it's small changes like making your bed you know like washing dishes after you eat it something that takes like making your bed like a few minutes washing a dish after you just ate out of it like a bowl a minute a minute small changes that add up over time and that will affect the longevity of what you want in the outcome and they take years to produce yeah. It takes years because you have to start small and you have to build up. And you're going to have setbacks. I started big. And, uh, I mean, I'm glad I'm here. But don't start big. What did you start with? You started with what? Semen retention. Yes. No fat. No fat. Yes. It was exhilarating. And I was complimented by stoicism. What, is, what are you doing? Well, I was going to say, like, another, another like, small change. Not going from, like, like, let's say you don't want to be on your phone as much. Not just being like, oh... I'm going to go 30 days without my phone or like a whole week without my phone. That's like a really big change. And you're now probably, after that seven days, you're probably just going to like go crazy and you're going to go back to your phone instantly. You even get the seven days. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But like just starting out with like digital minimalism, reading that book and slowly incorporating those ideas and the principles of this book and slowly working that out, making tiny changes that will evolve over time into longer lasting outcomes. That's, that's the, that's the goal there. Not, not like jumping from, not using your phone for days on end, and then you going back to it because it's just such a habit for you to be on your phone so much. Imagine Miss Hallam's input on this topic. Who's Miss Hallam? Is that her name? Yeah, our, our psych teacher. Dude, she every day she loses her marbles on people that use Snapchat because she catches so many kids in class just like on their phone while she's lecturing sometimes. She's like, you guys need to be disconnected from social media on this Snap crap. She calls it Snap crap because <laughs> it just drives her crazy. That's great. And That's because great. It drives her crazy that we're so, we're so connected in like a totally different like digital world that we cannot Which, connect and then we're the disconnected from this yes and ashley today was talking in architecture about how who was it paul had uh, a snapchat that was very low it was fifty thousand, and suggesting that he doesn't talk to anybody or, or maybe he was maybe she wasn't talking about paul i don't know or someone else she's talking about somebody that has a snapchat score that's very low and how he doesn't talk to anybody but it's like does talking to people indicate how much like does, score, yes, man. does your snap score indicate how much you talk to people? No. No, it doesn't. When you meet someone for the first status. time and you're doing a lot of texting in the beginning, it's like, it's not fun. 
I mean, no, you don't actually get to perceive the actual emotions. Phone calls are fun too. I mean, like, phone calls are fun. Wait, it's as like well the second best thing besides actually being in person, like talking right now. Like, yeah. if we were doing this over text, we would not be able to emit the same emotions, the same ideas, the same like charisma over a certain topic. No, not it, at all. It would just be words with no emotion, just like empty yeah. words. Lately, I've been I've been trying to add emotion to my words in text. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's hard, dude. I mean, texting in the group chat with you guys, it's like you guys have some good ideas you want to share, but it's like, hell, I. Call the group chat. Find it extremely difficult to yeah connect with some of those to ideas. connect with those ideas exactly with you guys over that through that medium. Like phone calls are a good way like talk to someone, but then it's like FaceTime or being in person actually like seeing someone's hand movements, seeing people's like facial expressions, and, like communicating ideas. That's that's where it's at, and that's where nobody does that anymore. Everyone's always texting, Snapchat, phone calls, FaceTime. Well, what girls this? at the gym. That's yeah. mind-boggling. Yeah. Well, yeah, and what effect does that have on, uh, what does, what effect does social media usage have on your greater well-being? None. Not really an effect. Not, well, not really a positive effect. It has a negative effect. It has a negative effect. <laughs> and it's like, I've talked about this, with, I, did I mention this with you guys? Maybe I did minor. I, obviously you saw my presentation. And you read uh, the rough draft of it, but I changed a lot of things. Oh, okay. about inputs and outputs. And yes, inputs and, and outputs. Macro levels. Yeah. Exactly. Well, I'll, to sum it up, that the methods to which social media usage affect you as an individual, you are a product that's being sold by uh, the social media companies to advertisers, right? Advertisers uh, advertise on the platforms to you guys, to us, and Google, whatever social media platform makes money from it, okay? So you are the product, you're being sold, and so you're getting inputted these ads and whatever algorithms come up with by these companies in order to make you see more ads or spend more time on their uh, platform, right? They want to in incentivize you to spend as much time as you can on their platform so they, they can make as much money from advertisers, right? Because they make as much money as you are looking at the advertisement. So they have methods by which to do this. And the methods are, you know, quite enticing. Like, obviously, the red little uh, notification symbol at the top of an application. Notifications. Tell me about it. Um, a million kind of bells and whistles. Uh, they have... Um, you ever watch any YouTube channels now? All they talk about is the first thing you hear. Make sure you hit that bell. Exactly. That's been going on forever. Yeah. No, the, the bell thing is new. That, that's been only going on for the past, like, two or three years. Yeah. That's oh, notifications, okay. yeah. Notification button, bell. That's been going on for a while. Right. The, the notification bell. Oh yeah, you're right. The hit that bell. Yeah. Dude, I, I can't. I cannot believe it. It, it. it goes against marketing. It goes against salesmanship. They no, no, no it's, sales. it's it's a great way to market, man. No, it's not yes, because it everybody's doing it. We are. You just blend in with the fucking are, crowd. We are the transportation that, that of is the what ad. People do, man. That is. Who are who are the people? Who are the people that make something of themselves? It, it exists because it's done and it's useful. And obviously, if people weren't responding to it well, positively, it wouldn't exist anymore. Yeah, but it's stupid. Do something. Do something different. Marshall, do something why, creative. Why is it stupid? It's because, because it's so successful. Put out put out your content. Ex explain your content beautifully and articulate it well instead of being like hit that bell. And hit that like button. <laughs> but Marco, Marco, we seek such short inputs, such sure. short entertainment, and this because is, that's all we have. Our attention span is exactly. so little. And this is what I was exactly getting into: was that the idea of this immediate feedback loop of instant gratification? The rewards that we get are short and they're shallow, right? And these inputs are inputted through us. And yes. As I had discussed with you guys before, uh, shallow input leads to shallow output. It does yes. not. Yes. And Beautiful. so. 
these shallow inputs, we only we get adjusted, we get acclimated to them because we form these habits around only consuming short and shallow entertainment, unless our speech and our language is shallow as well. That's for fucking sure. And so the language that we are most comfortable with is one that is quite shallow as well, and that's why those YouTube videos are quite appealing to the masses, because mm-hmm. most of the masses are quite... Uh, that's very lofty, the masses. The masses. Yes. You know what lofty means? Lofty is a uh, heavy term. Crafty kind of in a way? No. What does it mean? Like a high horse. Very long. L- like like the, you live in a loft. You know, like that's like higher up than everybody else. Yes, okay. Okay, yeah. I see what you're insinuating. The idea of... Uh, what is insinuating? L- like what I'm trying to get across? Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah, like, Interesting. Well, you're trying to find one term. <laughs> Whoa! I see what you term. are trying to plant. You know, like... Plant. Like, the idea. Insinuate you know, the idea. You read, you, read, you read books that are written at a higher lexile level and you start to... Oh my god! The complex input and the complex output. Fucking I mean, tell me about articulating it. Articulating his that's, thoughts on a different level. That's why I like writing these words down. Like I told you, ambiguous earlier today. I used ambiguous in a word that I said earlier today. And Ben knows I was writing down cyclical. I wrote down three sentences using the word cyclical. How do you not know what cyclical means? Shut up. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and you just learned this today. He felt so proud. He yeah, just I, shot I looked him at down. That. I looked at that. Just and like I was like, I, I didn't. Heart. I wasn't going to say it at first. You but just stabbed him in his heart, man. Sorry, well, stabbed. You know, me. I just wanted to make sure. I mean, obviously, it's, it's something that I'm unsure about. Cycle of life. Yes, it is. In, it uh, refers to a something that repeats itself. Every every word that you hear, you can go back to Lion King. Insinuate. In the jungle, the lion king. <laughs> That reminds me of the scene from Friends. We're the we don't need to talk about that show. Quartet. The quartet. We're gonna say quintet, but someone could not make it. Anthony. We are not going to state his name. Donde está? El Bobo. El Bobo. <laughs> I, told, I told him what El Bobo is. No, lo siento. Lo siento. Actually, he, he, he takes Spanish. Yeah. So he, he didn't take Spanish. Well, I think he took it last year. So he, he went up to Spanish 3, I think. Yeah. Or Spanish 4. I don't know. I miss him, man. Me too. Me too, man. Yeah. I was excited to see him today. Yeah. yeah like a long lost too. brother, man. Yeah. We all have like a brotherhood at work, you know, and outside of work. We all make these connections. But then it's like... Anthony, he's like, he's like, Kermit, he's not here. Like, like, dude, I, I'm just thinking about, like, right now when, when I'd work with Anthony, like, like, we all got along so well at work, and we just, like, slack off. I know, man. Dude, it, it, it was, like, fast, too. Like, when me and Anthony got there, I didn't know anyone besides you two, and then I started talking to you. And then we all just kind of collectively just, like... So and eventually, people started leaving bonding. in like the yeah, past year leaving, so after COVID. Us. Yeah, it was, it was us, mm-hmm. Bobby, and Will. And then we're just like kind of perfect. And this was the crew. And this was like the day crew, some of the night crew. And we were always the day crew. Yeah, we're always, yeah. always the day crew. Yeah. Marco. So sometimes, sometimes I would, yeah, sometimes I would, yeah. <laughs> I would uh, partake, in, intervene. But tomorrow yes. we are the night crew. Besides Dominic, he's working ten to six. Yeah, dude, we'll still see you though. Bobby will be working with you. No, I had to switch. El Bobo. I would have loved to work with you, dude. I haven't worked with Bobby in so long. Yeah. El Bobo. Robbie. Robert. Call him Robbie. Robert. Robson. Mr. Robinson. Robster. Mr. Robinson. Robster the lobster. Robster the lobster. You know what, dude? This book, it brought me in right away because because he's like, 
Let me find uh, the page. Bobo. When he's talking about lobsters in uh, rule number one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is the God damn it. Yeah, Mar Marco was like, Marco was talking about his cover, and he's like, this, this, this cover is so bland, it's so boring. And I was like, Marco, what's the second word in this title? Minimalism. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and they said that was minimalistic, thing. and they said that was minimalistic. What does this look like? Doesn't this look like the Amazon like ring kind of symbol? Like, like the Alexa. Or, or, like, or the Alexa. Or the Alexa. Or some, like, yeah. uh, some cult. Or the, some like, pagan the, cult the uh, Xbox, like, on button. <laughs> Startup button. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we were talking about that. No, yeah. Dude, that uh, go like through it. There's some, there's some good subtitles. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take that everywhere I go. I'm going to the school. Same thing with uh, Obstacles Away. It was just a black book and had a red... to cut uh, about 15 minutes to 17 minutes. Do we have to cut that? Yeah, come on. I mean, we're going to get... We don't, you don't know. We could expand our We have listeners. We have five. From sensitive groups. We'll, we'll, what's going to happen? Is Maddie going to give you shit for this? No. Adam could be <laughs> no. I mean, technically, Adam. translate that from... Adam, Adam would find it funny. Okay, if you translate that from its origin I mean, I language, know. I'm pretty sure it may... I've been yeah. I've been meaning to get so Adam on the podcast. The, before they... But Adam, the, the temp. But he lives far away. That's the oh, problem. He lives real far did, away. Did you know that, um, what was his name? His, his real name is Wasim. What's his fake name? Yeah, isn't it Sam? Sam. Sam, Sam. Sam. He yeah. moved back to wherever, was it Yemen? Oh, yeah, man. Was it not Yemen? Yemen, it was Yemen. Yemen. Yeah, yeah. He moved back there. He's not in the U.S. anymore. Mm. Dude, that, I, heard work safe, visa? I heard safe is still here. No. <laughs> I swear to God, I asked the other the, guy. Those rumors were going around. I asked but, but, but dude, there's two people named Safe. That's the thing. I, I, yeah, yeah, that confused the shit out of me. Saves. Which Muhammad did you ask? I, 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 <laughs> Muhammad is the most common name in the entire world. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I, I was, I was asking Muhammad. I was asking which one. I know like forty thousand. The Muhammad who wear the who wear the, the soccer jerseys. I was like, I was. Yeah, yeah. What soccer jersey? Argentina or Germany? But but I got I got on the phone. He's like, you want to talk to Safe? And I got on the phone, and I'm like, I'm expecting safe to answer, like this old man. Yeah. And it was this young guy. He's like, he's like, hello. And I was like, <laughs> this I was, is not safe. I was like, I was like, is this safe? And they're like, yeah. Who is this? I'm like, this isn't safe. <laughs> In pasta. Safe now. Thorny. Tell him how old he is. Like, ask him how old he is. I think safe was like 64. He was something 63. like that. Yeah, showing us his car, his garage, or his new house. You were there. Oh, his, his yeah. New house. His new house. Yeah, I think I was there, yeah. No, no, it was Bobby. Oh, Bobby. He was showing me, he was showing me his store once. His store was all his colorful. Store. Oh, no, his, yeah. his store was very, his very house, colorful. His house in, um... Yeah, I mean, it's like a mansion. He's <laughs> <laughs> 5,000, you turn that... He's a billionaire. <laughs> and then you convert that. It's like 1.2 million... <laughs> Whatever Yemen. Whatever. Yemen's. Yemen's. Yeah, Yemen monies. <laughs> Yemen monies. <laughs> I'm I'm pretty sure it's like it's like Yemen or just Y E. It's like their currency rate. Ye. A billion yees. Yemenis monies. Yemen from safe Muhammad. The millionaire Muhammad. Muhammad safe. I'm in the safe. The money in the safe. <laughs> I am the safe. I am the safe. That's like Jamaican. Jamaican me crazy. They call me safe because I have all the money. <laughs> oh, this is extremely insensitive. Yeah. Uh, sorry to all of our Jamaican and Arabic listeners.
and probably, hopefully, Asians soon enough because yes, we're, we're starting to half of the world. If Anthony was here, um, I'd be like Sigmund Freud. would be like, I'm sorry, I don't listen to any Asian <laughs> philosophers. <laughs> you would actually say Is that. that what he said? Yeah, I was like, I was like Nietzsche, Jung, Dude. Freud. That's what you need to learn. He's like, who are these Asian philosophers? He's like, yeah, I don't listen German. to Eastern. Eastern philosophers. Yeah, like the two, like two <laughs> philosophers who first started doing research were Sigmund Freud, who's German, and Wilhelm Wundt, which is also German, obviously. <laughs> obviously. <laughs> but his name actually starts with a W. Wilhelm Wundt. Wilhelm Wundt. Wilhelm. Wilhelm Wundt. Wilhelm Wundt. You know, what Anthony, like, he, he was just like. Chime in every once in a while and say something that's like like sometimes we talk like about work a lot funny. more now on this show. That's for because that that was episode four when we had him on. Yeah, so, so like so like now it's the show's like for everybody. It's not just for like the fucking kids like, of all ages. Jordan no Peterson age rating. On this, <laughs> this podcast lobsters, might be rated for PG thirteen. The lobsters are quivering. Okay, shiver me too. All right, gentlemen. That's let's let's take it down a notch. Let's digress, <laughs> shall we? What is big in life, man? What is what? Big in life. My ego. Ego my, is the enemy. My Ryan super Holiday. ego. Besides my pee pee. <laughs> Dude, are you rock hard over there? My pee pee. Hell yeah. Okay. You don't want to break up. <laughs> 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 Ben, why'd you make that noise? That wasn't me. That was the strangest noise I've ever heard. Okay. Okay, gentlemen, the quintet. What do all these books mean? Why are they all important? And how do they relate to life? Man? What are the books? Name you, the books. Okay, you, the, I'll name the books. I mean, we've all read some of them. Uh, Andrew started reading this uh, for yes. our work week. Okay. okay. Three, the, of them, three of okay, them are on financial lifestyle. Rich Dad Poor Dad. Two of them are basically on lifestyle. Yes. Rich Dad Poor Dad is lifestyle design based on monetary, on a monetary base. I think... For, I think for our work week is lifestyle, lifestyle design uh, based on excitement in, in hobby, ritual hobby, learning this first and then applying that second. Okay, because it goes hobbies first, excitement first. Learning rich dad poor dad first. Monetary application Money second. That. Money second. I did read that first. I'm reading this. I'm only a quarter of the way into this. Andrew, explain this book to me a little bit more. Lifestyle design. Okay. For what, our work week. What it's about is about, okay, this guy who has an amazing lifestyle, wrote this book, okay? And uh, his lifestyle is as much of a fairy tale as could be, right? But he basically has many retirements scattered throughout his life. He is a part of this community called the New Rich, okay? This this community, the New Rich, is, this book is about how to become a part of this community. This is the new American dream, no fucking doubt. No, it, it definitely is. It's It basically is about scattering retirement throughout your life. So like you have, you have this retirement that you plan as this end all be all sort of like once I do all this for a million years I'll save up and then it'll be enough for retirement and then I'll settle down and just live out the rest of my days doing whatever. I'll go hiking when I'm fifty. Yes, but in this in this book they they have this idea of scattering retirement throughout throughout a year. You know, like for example, he works for as as at the time of writing this book he worked for two months and then he would take a one month retirement so he would retire for one month and he would just go out and he would go travel he would what go to do? he okay i can i was this is this literally story. what jordan peterson tells his lawyer clients it's 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 hard for people like he, he begins this book by saying like when people ask him what he does it's quite 
uh, complicated to. He has to do something where he doesn't work for a company. He doesn't work for a company. Exactly. A lot of his as, as no what does he do to make money? Yeah. That's uh, that's where I've not gotten yet in the book. But, most likely passive. But for example, that's what I'm thinking. some of the things that he has done include he's a Princeton University guest lecturer and high tech uh, entrepreneurship, and he he um he went to Princeton. He's a Princeton graduate. He is a the first American in history to hold a Guinness World Record in tango. He spent a lot of time. Oh, in I'm Arch- sorry, in tango. Yes. Some some of these are going to be yeah. He spent, ambiguous. He spent a lot very of, very different. Right. Uh, is tango of, a place? It's a dance. It's, no, it's no. A dance. It's a popular dance like in a, South America in in his in Hispanic you know, culture. Tango. Okay, yeah, it's yeah. A tango. You know, like kind of dance. I'll show you how to tango. And uh, tango with me? he spent a lot of time sure. in Argentina doing that. He he is advisor to more than thirty. Uh, world record holders in professional Olympics and sports. And I'll get to that in a reason because he is the national Chinese kickboxing champion. Interesting. The guy wrote this book. Yes, he, he's not even Chinese at all. Because he read he read about a loop a loophole in in the rule book the about thing. how if you push competitors off the stage, the opponent wins the round. And he also he also learned how to cut weight really well before the weigh in. And uh, he like shaved off twenty pounds, and he just he just won the whole entire competition. The everyone was kind of upset with him. It wasn't really conventional way, but, but he read the fine print exactly, which didn't specify what he could do, so he did do it. He knew the rules, and so he was able to win. Wow. Um, he's uh, Wired Magazine's greatest self promoter of two thousand eight. Whatever that means. He's a horseback archer. He spent a lot of time in Japan. He speaks fluent Japanese, and he he practices archery on horseback. He uh, is a political asylum researcher and activist, MTV breakdancer in Taiwan, a hurling competitor in Ireland. A hurling is an activity and it's an event in the sport and kind of a strongman sport, I think. We wear kilts. Right. And then he is an actor on a hit TV series in mainland China and Hong Kong called Human Cargo. And uh, he speaks fluent Chinese. Escargo? Human Cargo. Escargo? Yes, it's about no. snails. And uh, and so, but his life is extremely interesting. Cook snails that, was, dude, wow, it, wow. And we cannot live. Cook snails was the way our form. ancestors did. That is not a dream at all. No, it's not. Our recent ancestors, for sure. And and this, but he's. I mean, the beginning quote. The beginning. He dedicates this book to his parents. I was telling Ben about this. For um, you know, taught a little hellion that marching to a different drummer was a good thing. That's kind of what he owes to his parents, and that is the beginning of this book. Andrew, what is a hellion? A hellion is someone who causes, is kind of wreaks havoc, you know? So, like an outlier. Sort of, yeah. Like the kid, the troublemaker kid. A you know? draconian. And, uh, well, draconian. I know, I just felt like saying, I heard that word today. I know that's nothing. Draconian measures. Too. Oh, Shooting the bull. Yeah, Shooting um, the bull here. But this guy, I mean, I mean the prefect, the, below the title, it says, Escape 9 to 5, Live Anywhere, and Join the New Rich. You know, which is something that I think we would all... Alike is to not have a nine to five job and get out of the rat race. To yeah, exactly. to alleviate yourself from the rat race. A lot of this stuff. My, I've been thinking about this for years. Like, Dominic and I have talked about it like personally. Um, I, I've never put anything to it because I don't really know where to start. But I know at some point I want to get there. Or there it starts here in books, man. Yes, it does. And I mean, okay, so I'm at the first step. There's four steps the funny in the thing book. Is, I should be the one reading these things. Out of it. Yeah. To um, build off a story. And Rich Dad Poor Dad, you remember when uh, um, Robert and his friend Mike, Mike, they make a a business oh, minting yes. coins. Yes, 
They're like they're like the rich make money. Yes. And, and they, so they they literally went and made money out of lead. <laughs> they they coins. They, they took toothpaste. And they're like nine years old. They took toothpaste uh, like tubes. Yeah. And they melted them down, and and casted them in these little, like. Uh, I was caps. so ready for for to see what the outcome was. Who what? So, so here's how it no, went. No, no, no. Here, here's how it went. So, so, so they, they, they had this idea and they had all these toothpaste things that they, that they themselves used in well, a bucket. Well, they, they read it. They read this in a, in a textbook, a chemistry textbook about this experiment about that, part. that you can do by melt, that melting lead into, because lead melts at a very low temperature. Yeah. So they were just like, dude, we could use this to make some money. You know, let, money is made out of metal. Let, the lead is a metal. And so they literally, they're like eight years old, and that's what they and do. And toothpaste tubes were made out of lead at the time. So they go around to their neighbors, and they ask them for their old, wasted toothpaste tubes. You just give them to us when you're done with them, so essentially. So they, they try to use the money in, like, stores and stuff? Well, it, it lasted for a day. It lasted for less than a day. Less because they day. were making it, and their, and their dad got home, and they were like, what are you doing? He's like, we're making money. <laughs> we're minting coins over here. Yeah, we're becoming, we're, we're making money. U.S. currency over here. And, and, yeah. and, 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 and it, was, it was brilliant, because, like, later in the book, he talked. Robert talks about how like that is the closest thing that they that they've ever gotten to to like being like the rich because they literally make money, like like without like because without the without the entrepreneurs and the um the the corporations you know yeah. like they they like we wouldn't have an economy, right? So they make the money literally. Yeah, they literally print the money. Yeah. Yeah, they just give it to their employees. And that's I think that's product. fascism. We don't have to get into that, but I think that's fascism. Well, it's definitely complex, but you would rather be there than an employee. <laughs> Fucking, dude, I, I've never been more proud to be a capitalist in my I life. I know, I know, dude. <laughs> Remember when I read this book and I told you about that? Yes. I was like, dude, this is like some realistic stuff. Like, this, the examples that he makes are quite valid. Dude, for the, for Jordan Peterson is, no, Jonathan Haidt actually has always said this. Like, like if people, if, if, if these Marxists, these communists... Uh, like like read this book or something or like had a chance to become a capitalist they they would stop whining right. and, and take the opportunity to be a capitalist a lot of it's just a justification for a missed and a failed opportunity an adjustment of attitude yes and that just an attitude and i mean later in this book we, they talks about how they had a business where they had connections with the uh local grocery store that his friend's dad owned and with the um comic delivery man where oh, this he, is great. he could hold the comics for a few weeks and then return them back to the store. So but the, he, the, the covers were ripped off, right? Something like that. And so what they did was they set up like this business, this library of comic books in one of the kids' basements. Yeah. And they, they sent around flyers throughout school. And actually a lot of kids came back from school. Fuck ton of money. And they were making actual like like they were making more rate. than the working man at the they time. They were making more than his, his and dad. And they open only for time. four hours a day. Yeah, only four hours a day, crunch time. And they, uh, his sister was the librarian and uh, who kept books and tabs on everyone who had uh, the things. But it ended because one of the kids got into a fight and they had to shut it down. It's interesting because because they, they realized because their sister eventually got busy. Uh, eventually, and and it says in the book that that at young at, at such a young age, Robert and his friend realized how hard it was to find a good book a book good bookkeeper, a good employee, a good employee, but especially a bookkeeper. Right. And another great thing I took away from that book is is working for knowledge and experience, not for money. Yes. And that's why uh, Robert worked for Mike's dad, 
was as Mike explained, as Mike's dad explained in the beginning, it's not about, it's not about, it's like he obviously started for very low pay. Mm-hmm. And then he said, okay. And then, low and for even 50s standards. Then when Robert, as a five-year-old or whatever, uh, asked him for a raise, went to go ask him for a raise, he left actually getting paid nothing now. Absolutely nothing. Nothing. And then that was when Robert's... Th- you you, you got to explain the context, though. Because because he, he he learned to not work for money, quite literally. And that's, right. that's well, that brilliant. Began, that began after they agreed on not paying him anything. Yeah, but they, they are... That's where his education began. Mike's dad waited until Robert was ready to quit. And then he said, well, now I'm not going to give you 10 cents per hour. I'm going to give you knowledge. Knowledge to help you grow 10 million in a lifetime. Hmm. Brilliant, just brilliant. So, so instead of being greedy and wanting money, or instead of wanting that material possession, he gave him the opportunity to give him knowledge and said, so he could actually like push him. So he wasn't there for the money; he was there for the knowledge. So he could see truly if he really wanted to learn. Right, dude. This is a question I've been asking so many people lately. Like, like when you get your paycheck, how do you feel? I I'm totally legitimately forget I get paid sometimes. You what? I legitimately forget I get paid sometimes to work. I, yeah, same. I just see it. I'm like, right. I think about it. Like, this isn't the week. Next week's the week. Uh, sometimes it crosses my head, like, rarely. I, I never think about when I'm getting paid. I just see it pop up. I'm like, oh, okay. Imagine, imagine if we went into work and we're like, Dan, or we're like, Sharon, don't pay us for a week. How, how, how would we see work? How would we view work? Do you think that we would... How would we even sell that to her? She'd be like, you're joking. Well, do you think that we would be more apt into wanting to learn there? Like, do you think that instead of being like, oh, we got to catch up on these dishes because this is our job, we have this opportunity to instead, like, let's let's catch up on the dishes at some point, but let's learn something new while we're here. Because we're here, man. Why why are we here? We might as well learn something. We're not getting anything else You're out saying of that we would do, because me and Dom, we learn how to open up the lobsters. I mean, that that's something, but we would probably... Like, want to, like, cook chickens and... Or you can learn culinary skills. Yeah. Right, yeah, and, it, like, like Chef Steve. Chef Steve knows and he's learned so much more than we have, and he gets paid for it, right? But if you said to him, like, if you said to us now, like, I'll pay you X, whatever, let's just say $30 an hour to learn a lot more things, would you take it? You probably... You'd be incentivized because yeah. the money is... Right. The money and the learning. Because the money... No, the knowledge is attached to the money. The money is the main, like, the main ship. The main, right. tr- like the main idea. But that wage that you're working for is quite slavery, slavery in a way. Yeah. It keeps you to a job. It makes you believe that you can purchase liabilities because you have this steady flow of income. But really, outside of that, if you lose that steady flow of income, your liabilities are lost. All right. When when does a book become an asset? Let's think about that. Um, a book becomes an asset when you use the ideas in it. For practical and real purposes. I mean, right now they're an asset because we're coming up with all these ideas of like, not, although we're not that deep into it, but passive income, um, buying real estate so that we can do Air- Airbnbs. Well, yes, that is true because assets make you money, right? Yes. So if you buy a book for $15 and it tells you how to make money, there you go. But it's it's more of like medicine for your brain. Your brain, is, action. The, your brain is the ultimate asset. Yeah, it's it's, it's an, the ultimate privilege too. That's amazing that you say that because in Buddhism, the Dharma, the doctrine, is the medicine. But I, I forget that when you put it to action, that that's a that's a different a different thing too in itself. Well, if you think of it like this, 
like the asset. This is the initial investment on this book or any of these books, 15, 20, 25 dollars. Yeah, this one was like 20. Just to have this thing for forever in your possession. Always have it with you, physical copy. And like financial books especially, that's a really, really small small initial investment. And the returns you get on that back, if you actually apply that, and you actually take notes, you actually reread it, you apply that to your life, and you use it, that initial investment is nothing compared to what value it actually has. Dom, you want to borrow that? I have a copy of it. You want to borrow that? I, I would recommend it. It's very simple okay. to read. It's very quick to read. I'll pick it up. There's also um, a free PDF online that you can read during school. I read that during yeah. school. Yeah, so you just like pull out your phone. It's a lot easier to read. Yeah, I'm good. You read Rich Dad Poor Dad in school? Yeah, I did. <laughs> did people ask you? I was on my phone. Oh, I was on my phone. that's why. And I just, God. I just ran through that thing, man. But I want to get a physical copy because I, there's. You stuff, don't have a physical copy of that? I want to because in the second half of the book, there's notes to be taken. There's notes. Well, I just Andrew, write the Andrew notes on my Target. thing. They might have it restocked yeah. there. Or the oh, you know what? Yeah. That is a, a good... Uh, next time I read that, I'll run through that with the notes. I know I just want to read Psychology of Money. Marco. What? When I, when I give this book to you, um, a lot I underline a lot of things in here, which I can't wait. a lot. But a lot of it is stories and lessons that are... Can I underline within stuff? that story. Yeah, totally. All right, sweet. But I want to... I'm, like, almost done with it, but next week I want to, like, reread it, like... And now when I take notes on it, like, take the underlined portions and then, like, analyze it and then... Because some of the words I circled in there, I still have to define. Dude, that's what I've been doing with, like, with, like, uh... Yeah, like, look how much I, like, I've annotated in here, all this stuff. Like, to write it down. Like, like, yeah. like for... I, I was reading, um, a thing on evidence-based practice for, for clinical psychology today. And, and I was copying and pasting the really important parts that I read and putting it into a Word document. Copy so that, and paste, man. Yeah. Oh, my God. And, and I'm kind of organizing it and explaining in my own words what the paragraphs mean and it, it's like it makes it makes it more it makes it enjoyable almost yeah who knows how long this is gonna go on though can i ask you guys something no. certainly have you guys ever been told to be realistic and all to the stop, time grow stop, up stop pretending and life isn't like the movies <clears throat> yeah it is like the movies i was telling ben earlier about add adventure deficit disorder <laughs> I love Andrew, that. There's a chapter in that That's in so psychology great. of mind that talks yeah. about being realistic versus being reasonable. I love there's that. Man. Adventure deficit. Disorder. And there's yeah. different situations to apply it to. And yes, yes, dude. And, and this section right here, I mean, it, it explains this perfectly. And this is in Rich Dad. Uh, this is in for uh, for chaos. For, for deficit disorder. Yes. Well, look something at, unorganized and an unorganized adventure. You know, yeah. It's it's um. There's something really good that I really want you guys. Well, to, I guess, listen to it. Take it's, it's a lot of annotations. Take away. It's, I know, dude. Well, this, this is why I bought the book, you know what I mean? But this idea about accepting reality and that <clears throat> not doing what you really want because the worst that could happen wasn't crashing and burning. It was accepting terminal boredom as a tolerable status quo. That is giving up. Because you know what? When I was a kid, when I, I mean, I, I'm sure that they, that they got ideas he's like, these like inner machinations, not machinations, but like plans to kind of like get me on the right path. And my dad used to always say, grow up. And I look back on it now and his, the interpretation of growing up was giving up. Yes. Because you're, yes. you're just accepting that, you, that, that like you can't. The unrealistic is unrealistic. I'm sorry? Like he's trying to be rational. He's the, trying to be realistic. Yeah, the ideas of like, like English is so stupid because we put we put, like what we're talking about with time management. We say, "Oh, I'm being rational." It's like, are you sure? 
Sure. Yeah. Well, maybe rational based off some irrational premise. I don't know. But well, 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 the, well. Here, here's the topic. Um, college. Should you go to college? And Depends you, on what you do. Like Tim Ferriss on his on his YouTube channel, he has a short video clip, a Q and A of him answering that question, and he goes into a few different areas. But it, it depends. It really depends on what you do and where you stand in life right now. Um, the title of this cha- uh, section is "Doing the Unrealistic is Easier Than Doing the Realistic." Do you guys believe in that? You guys doing do the that? unrealistic is easier. Like Andrew, see, yes. like right here, Are you sure about is, that? Being reasonable is greater than being rational. Right. Well, well, I mean, it depends. I on, think like this. This is more financial based. That is more lifestyle based. You know. The way I say, the reason I say like being unrealistic is easier than being realistic is because the like if the potential payoff is mediocre or average, if it's realistic, then your effort is gonna be the same as as that. It's it's gonna be mediocre. But like for example, if you said if there was um if there was a uh uh you know if you you know you'll run through walls. I'll re- I'll just read this. I'll par- I'm trying to paraphrase, but. If you can run through walls to get a, a, catamar- a, ca- a catamaran trip through the Greek islands, uh, you know you would take that over taking a cereal, cereal box trip through Columbus, right? Obviously, you would want to go to the Greek islands over Columbus, right? But I be- but it's it depends on the situation, of course. But you will run through walls to go through the Greek islands, right? But you would just stumble upon the chance to win a trip through Columbus on a brand of cereal, right? On the box of a cereal or whatever, whatever. You know what I'm saying? When the outcome is mediocre, your effort is mediocre. But when the outcome is great, and like you aim for something super high, your effort is gonna, is ma- is gonna match that. You know what I'm saying? And so the idea of, of how boredom and, and stuff like that comes into this is, I, I, I've talked to Ben about this a million yeah, times, yeah. about how goals shouldn't be based around happiness, they should be based around excitement. Fulfillment. It should be like, what What do you want? What do you want is, is a better question. What about, like, overall, it's like, it's not about what is, is ha- makes you happy because happiness, the opposite of happiness is not sadness. Happy, the opposite of happiness is boredom. Right? When you're bored, you're not necessarily happy. In, in, in basic life like this, in the basic lives that we live, when you're not happy, you're pretty bored, you know? But yeah. the opposite of boredom... Also what, sad. What's the opposite of boredom? It's, it's excitement. Yeah. It's excitement. And excitement is easier to measure than happiness. You know, I can say, well, we can go... I'm not sure if that's going to make me happy, but I'm sure as hell it's going to be exciting. Yeah, it's going to be exciting. And we'll, we'll see what happens, man. It's chaos. And, and whatever happens, we'll run into somebody... Especially something like that. Being a moment. Moment. Exactly. That, yeah, just like... Oh, my God. Like sometimes we've had, man. But that's exciting, man. You should seek... You should... Like, remember that boredom is the enemy, and it's not some abstract failure. And so, and so, looking at the unrealistic goals and being like, maybe I can get on top of that building. It's like looking at that. Your effort is going to be is going to match that unrealistic goal, and perhaps you might as well achieve it at that point. It's just depending on if it makes you exciting. But people look at things and they're like, oh, is this going to make me happy or not? It's like happiness is just a chemical process in your brain. It's not just. A, just- the release of the serotonin, whatever you know, serotonin, dopamine, or whatever. But if if yeah. you if you're truly excited, exciting is something that you can look forward. Let to. me tell you something. Let me tell you something. The feelings that I get when when like like I I, I talk about like how in class about how it's so stupid that the, the shit they're talking about and how reductionary it is. 
especially about Freud or about the psychoanalysts in general. Like, like it, it makes me, it makes me feel like I got something on these people, like in a good way and a bad way. Like, like, oh, they're idiots. But at the same time, like, I need, I need to spread this word because without the psychoanalysts, we would, we would not have any of this. Marco, are you trying to change the world? Because it's not possible. I'm changing myself. Exactly. You only need to change yourself. You see, you, the reason why I'm getting this change job, yourself, not the reason the why I'm getting this new job is for the skill. Being reasonable, not rational. Did I tell you about this? Why are you getting a new job? For the skill. What I want to. I want to sell oh, the, the ideas that I have place, in my head right? and my doing? writing. What are you WMBA doing? Sales. You're doing sales where? I'm either going to be doing sales or mortgage coordinator. Yeah, you should learn this. I, th- I think well, I should learn this. I think, I think we should all like go to a sales thoughts, firm. <laughs> being able to have like clear and concise communication and ideas, and being salesman. Are you yeah. Oh, fun fact: in this book, um, he got fired. Uh, Tim Ferriss got fired from one of his first jobs out of Princeton because he was working as a salesman, a salesman where he would call up leads all day, you know, trying to get through whatever, trying to get through to uh, executives and trying to sell things. And he figured out that it would be much easier and much more efficient to call during the first, the early hours or the very later hours. And so he got, he got, he tripled his sales by doing this method and he reduced his time. He cut his time in, 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 into four hours a week of, of work. Of actual, four hour work week. Of actual work based around just making all this. And then the rest of the sales. time he just kind of bullshitted. And he, kind of, he just got fired. He got because fired he, was, he was bullshitting around. Because he wasn't working during the working hours. That's fucking really, ridiculous, really, dude. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I forgot to get into the reason because he could, he could skip the middleman. He would always just be trying to reach these people, but he would end up getting their secretaries. But when was when were they not in touch with those sectors after working hours or after or before skipping the middleman was a, was an issue? Well, no, skipping the middleman was the reason he made so many sales. Okay, because he uh, was always sense. getting caught up with the secretaries. The secretaries would be like, "Oh, well, you know, maybe we couldn't put that on, on the schedule or whatever, or whatever, whatever." Never, and it never, ne- never really worked out. Yeah. But when he actually talked to the pers- the actual executive in person, he could really sell to them. You know, and so he tripled his sales, and he made. A lot more money, but his boss didn't like how he wasn't working throughout the day, and didn't like how he was changing up the routine of what's typically been done. You got the fucking best salesman in the state, right? Right well, there. He's, he's just always being. But super what efficient. wasn't wasn't within the system of the company? Yeah, See that well, dude? No, it wasn't. Dangerous men, dangerous women disrupt the fluidity of the company of the state, and thus they are killed. Exactly, and they're fired. They're, they're not good for an organization or, or an organization based around. Uh, order and uh, rules. I mean, he was making his own rules. You know what I'm saying? And the rules benefited the company, but we're not. Uh, you guys make your own rules. Well like whether they be trivial or. Well, not. I have my own twelve rules for life. Oh yeah. Yeah. You do. Yeah. I mean, I I create my own rules sometimes, and, uh, and and I get shunned for it. What rules do you? Well, they're they're really stupid. So so far, they're really stupid. Like like you know when you're skiing. Marco, are they stupid to you, or would they seem stupid to us? They would seem stupid to other people. Okay, but, but I'm open. I'm open to okay. ideas, interpretations. Okay, so you gotta wear the the, the ski pass and your zipper, the the uh, you, the lift pass, and the lift ticket. I told you about this, yeah. but yeah, I wasn't wearing it. I had it in my wallet. So this guy's like, "Hey, where's your lift pass?" He's like, "Lift passes, lift passes," like a fucking virgin, and. <laughs> 
<laughs> and and, and, and I'm, he's like in his 40s or something. And and I'm like, he's like, you got your lift pass? I'm like, yeah, I got it. Like, Let me take off my gloves for you. And immediately I was like angry, which was not good. But but I take it out. I show it to him. He's like, nope, you got to wear it on your zipper. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, like you're going to make me put it on my zipper? I haven't. You should, I, I, I spent I, 50 goddamn dollars on this. I wasn't being belligerent, but I, I was definitely like disregarding him as a human being because of that. And, and my friend Charlie just, like, zipped away. He's like, I am not being a part of this. <laughs> See you, Mark. Karen's gone on camera. And then, and then the whole ride home for, like, 30, 45 minutes, we, we were talking about, like, Jordan Peterson and um, and just, like, making your own rules within reason, of course, and, and, like, just yelling at each other. I mean, you know, like, a constructive kind of argument. Yeah. About, like, how stupid that guy was. In my opinion, he's doing his job, man. He's just following he's his job, following his nine I don't five, care, dude. I don't care if he's following his nine to five. If he was like Tim Ferriss, we're, we're learning shit that that goes against the nine to five job. So I don't give a sh- I mean, I understand that. Like, I can't, I can't just get on, on, on my high horse and be like, um, you know, they. I was once like that, not to that degree, but like, like I was once on that page. So like, it's wrong for me to expect other people to be in my standard. I understand that. But I again, I was being irrational. Yeah, I was angry. Do you like how this fireplace has been going this whole time? I know, I know it's great. And it's it's nice. Nice. It feels like warm, you know. Yeah, but it's so it's so nice. It's like having just like a nice cozy talk, hearing crackling in the background. Yeah, th- this is what we're gonna do from now on. See, I wanted to call this this podcast the campfire. I'm glad we didn't. But, but no, my 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 first, that was the name I originally thought of. Are you serious? And then I thought of it. I don't know, because remember, I remember, I, remember had, I proposed it to you, and you're like, nah. Remember the podcast project we had? I had this idea of sitting around a campfire. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and, and doing a podcast. Maybe and that's thought, where I got the idea. The environment would affect the um, conversation. <laughs> I still I still want My to use, um, like like use a GoPro or use a phone. And just like, like we were talking about going out to that cabin or the house, and we're just going to like set it on the table. We're just going to sit in the living room. And just do whatever and just record it and see how it went. <laughs> Dude, that would have been insane. That oh been my so god, man. That would have been that would have been you, the highlight of the year. You were not here, house, Andrew, but we were talking about Yeah, in about the corner on the tripod. Yeah. Uh, That'd Dan be said it was a good time to do it in February. What's that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Doing it in February, so. Uh, you know, get a thing like renting Verbo. out like a house on Airbnb or yeah. Okay. Verbo. Yeah. We'll probably get the same one so, because she said she said she'll give us a discount. We're, we're not doing. Oh, um, did she? Yeah, she did. We're, we're not like She. I. I tried to. I tried to get that out of her, but she's like, "Oh, I have to be. It depends on when the time it is and what yeah. season." Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Season. See, um, again, I'm being irrational. Bitch, I'm your customer. You were. So we're yeah. Not, we're not doing, um, That's what I've been doing lately. I've been getting mad at, at the uh, uh, the entrepreneur. Well, we just have to be cracked up on antibiotics and all this medicine for like two weeks beforehand, so, so we don't get so sick again. We're yeah. doing it in February for sure. That's a uh, good idea. Uh, Dan mentioned it was a good time. Mm-hmm. After the first week of February. But we still sure have to plan it. I mean, Why we, is that a good time? We can, dude, because there wouldn't be really much going on. Dude, shit, we can talk about it tomorrow. At work, yeah. Yeah, we're all literally going to be there for, we're going to see Dan. Dan is going to be so happy when we're all working. Oh, man. Dude, yeah. it's like, it's like all his little ducklings are there. Is he working tomorrow <laughs> night, though? I, I don't know. I, I, I hope so. I, I'll, I'll see him for sure. I don't know how long you guys are going to see Yeah. Him. Oh, yeah, because he probably leaves around like three or four. Yeah, we're not going to see him. Man. What do you guys, what are you guys leaving? What time? We work, we work from five to Why are close. you working to 1130? Five to close. 
You're, you're going to work until... No, no, oh, no, no. Bobby or Will said, you're probably going to close at 11.30 next weekend. That was his, like, guesstimation. So so you're going to... No, I'm 18. I can work until, like, 2 a.m. Oh, you're, you're comfortable with that? Yeah. Oh, you're making fun of me because of no, New Year's? No, no, no. <laughs> no, I'm not making fun of ben, you. You, okay. get to, you. You decide what you want. So you're saying you're I a man. Just, I could just, like, leave work and, no, like, decide. leave, leave Mark I'm not working. I'm not working. You know what I'm saying? I don't. I don't have to play by these rules. You know, but I also saying that I should not expect to always get what I want within the job. You know what I'm saying? Because but that would be absolute. Because that so, would. So, so are you saying that you would walk out of work if if I wanted to? I could. I could. Well, I mean, think That's about something it. Something that I can do. Say, I, I put myself. Say, say you really, out. really, really want to do something. You're gonna. You're gonna stay at work. Say I, it's better than losing your job. I mean. It's just, just, you have something weighing on you and you have to go, you have to go do it. It's like, nope, you're staying at work. You can stay at work. Especially, especially like, like, dude, we're, we're like, we love each other at work. It's community, man. Yeah. Like being, now working there for so long and you come back. But at the same time, if you, if you just like abandon the job. You abandon the people. I mean, I, I never do that, dude. We, the people. I, I, I never abandon the job. Like. No, no, I mean, except when you're. No, not anymore. Because not because anymore. because remember when I guys sent you guys that that Seinfeld thing? And he's like again with the sweatpants. Wait, wait, wait. What do you mean by when he, when his gut was acting up and all that stuff? No, my oh. gut, pelvic floor, yeah, yeah. all that, all that that nonsense. Yeah. But but you remember remember that that Seinfeld episode I sent you guys last night? I think it was. Yeah, yeah I didn't watch it last night. It was like twenty ago. seconds, dude. Short input. Okay. I was going to Short sleep, output. dude. All right, all right. Well, it was funny. It it was like like George is wearing sweatpants. And Jerry calls him out for it. He's like, he's like, you know what the message you're sending to people with these sweatpants is? I've given up. I don't want to live in society anymore. And th- that's essentially it. And, and that, I didn't really realize that. But showing up to work with sweatpants every day. Skinny sweatpants. You guys remember that? Yeah, I remember that. I remember now my that. shirt's tucked in. Yeah. You, yeah. me, Bobby. Yeah. Tucked like, in, boys. Yeah, with belts, yeah. Yeah. With, with, <laughs> join us. Dude, I Join cannot. Us, I cannot. I am so lengthy. Yeah, My shirt is not long enough. I've washed and dried it me. so long that when I bend over, I've tried it before. It just and comes my shirt out. comes on top. Yeah. I look oh, like a that idiot, sucks, so. man. Unless I got a new work jersey or new work jersey. jersey. I don't know why I call it. I'm from, I'm from should, England, dude. You're from England? No, I'm yeah. just kidding. I'm just kidding. I act like, like muscle that. shirts. You look like you're English. Yeah. No, but we should we should talk to Dan tomorrow if he's in work about the work uniforms. Oh, look at me, Dan. I'm getting swole. I'm getting juicy. Ugh. Ugh. We try to get the pull-up bar. Dude, we, we, should, we, should get, yeah. we should get a pull-up bar. We should get a kettlebell we're, we're set. But if we kept asking for it. Kept pushing. One yeah, person what? You literally just kept asking Chef Chris. We just kept pushing. pushing that. But we, we stopped pushing. We Chef Chris. Yeah. Weber was last. last but we, Weber was, I feel like he was waiting for us to just keep pushing. I think he is that kind of guy. You ask and you shall receive, but we didn't really push for for it. I mean, so, I wasn't really all that so into it. So how much do we really want it? You know what I mean? But if it, we we should have we should have made an appointment in his office. Be like, who are you talking to later? I think I do. I I think that I really have a hunch that he's and the kind said, of guy that that would like that would like look forward to that appointment to talk to the grassroots. Yeah, the dishwashers. No, I think so. <laughs> I think so. The bottom we, of the bunch. We, dude, yeah. tomorrow, tomorrow at five five oh five. All of us, we just walk into his office. We say, "We need to talk." 
That's what I'm saying. If the idea, <laughs> we're gonna be we're gonna be tongue tied and speechless. No, no, I, no. And, he's gonna turn around his chair and be like, "Oh, like, hello." But Angel's okay. right though. If, if we have an idea, good morning, gentlemen. Like, at the little table in his mind? office, he's gonna he's gonna turn around like an evil villain in a chair. Like, what's in your mind, gentlemen? <laughs> no, no. But Andrew is right. If if we have an idea that is so like brilliant and so important yeah. enough, and we keep pushing for it. And Weber's gonna realize they'd be like, okay, if they're they're just not asking a dumb question, they're not they're not just asking about the guidelines. Dude, you know what I've been thinking about? But wait, you, wait, 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 wait! If you keep Hold pushing and you keep pushing, then he's gonna see the importance and the idea, and then he's gonna and if we sit down and conversate with him, we set guidelines, we set ideas, we establish what we want and what we expect in return, or the other way around, then we all can come into agreement. To build off of that is a par- uh, par- uh, paragraph Parable? in in a in four rules th- through life. Uh, four, fuck, fuck. Four, four hour, hour work, work week. week. Four, four rules for four life. Four rules for life. <laughs> four rules psychology of minimalism. <laughs> okay. And <laughs> <laughs> read a short circuit there. Dude, I'll never forget <laughs> that. Uh, short circuit. Four hour take it, work take it week. Slow, take, it. take it slow, Andrew. Just breathe. Okay, so contacting Eric Schmidt, who is the CEO of Google, or at the time of this, right? So proved more. Okay, because this is in the context is contacting celebrities or hard to reach people. Uh, George Bush. Okay, so what? Contacting Schmidt proved more challenging. For Marion, the toughest part was getting Schmidt's personal email address. He emailed a Princeton dean asking for it. No response. Two weeks later, he emailed the same dean again, defending his request by reminding her that he had previously met Schmidt. The dean said no, but Marion refused to give up. He emailed her a third time. Have you ever made an exception? He asked. The dean finally gave in, he said, and made an exception, or and proved him, and and provided him with Schmidt's email. So I know some of my classmates pursued the alternative scatter shot technique with some success, but that's not my my bag. Marinin said, explaining his perseverance. I deal with rejection by persisting, not by taking my business elsewhere. And so, persistence, asking is how you shall receive. Yes. Good example, recent example, is me pushing to change my class for my counselor. Like, for my counselor. Like, you go there, yes. and, like, during the first week, like, first week of school, first semester, they are bombarded with emails, anything and everything from students. And they're just overwhelmed. Like, my counselor was like, I'm a deer in headlights. Like, they, she has to deal with so much shit, so much emails, and kids trying to switch out of classes. And I was talking to her. I was being very real. I was being very open to her. And she's like, she's like honestly, just come back the next day and just keep pushing. Because if you do... I will, I will remember and I will try to get you into a class. And I kept doing it. I kept doing it. I emailed her and we kept going back and forth. And it fell through at first after like talking for two or three days. And then I kept emailing, kept pushing. And then eventually I got back into the class finally. And look where I'm at. I pushed. I kept pushing. What class did you get into? Uh, life leisures. I mean, it was originally weight yeah. training, but then I got life leisures. Um, it's just nice. I yeah. was I was pushing for. You got the end of the alphabet, right? I don't even go to her because she doesn't. She does nothing. Literally, yeah. she, she's such an asshole too. I was pushing for four weeks to get weight training, four weeks leading up to Christmas break, and I went to my counselor every Monday during fourth hour. I told I asked her the first Monday I came into her. She said that there's no open spots available for next semester in this class. We don't know what the lunch is going to be like. We don't know anything, but if you keep checking, you might. Might an opportunity might open up. There was an opportunity. Yes, and the last week that I came to her, the last week, last Monday that we were there, uh, I came to her and she said a spot opened up and she saved it for me. And uh, I still didn't know what the lunch was yet, but 
during when I came back from break from Red Times and Zane lunch night. I took the class. And it's made a hell of a difference because if not I'd probably be stuck in that fourth hour class. I'd be doing well, busy I work. Done yeah. that with English because I wanted to stay with Hubbard. And now now I have Monette. Isn't that great to be honest compared to what Hubbard was? Yeah. But I I've kept I, I probably went to the council like once or twice. Yeah. She said that maybe I don't know what I can do. We'll yeah. see. Well no, no, she she tried to look for every opportunity to get me into Hubbard. Every single way. All of them were full. But man, with this pull-up bar idea, it's like, fuck, man, I'm I'm beating myself up. I mean, I know that we have that the pull-up bar with the elevator. <laughs> the elevator, elevator trend. Yeah, like just. I I, you know, I remember Andrew was like, he, he came up to me one one shift, and he's like, dude, I gotta show you something. Pull-up bar. We get off the elevator. Dude, so he walks out me. the back. He's like, check this out. And I was like, that's. Ingenuity, man. Insignificant. Dude, okay, okay, exactly, exactly what Andrew did right there. This, is the, I'm not even kidding you, dead ass. The first page in this book, there's two quotes. One from Napoleon, and the second one is from Sherlock Holmes. The one from Sherlock Holmes ties into what Andrew did. The world is full of obvious things which nobody by any chance ever observes. Something like the elevator door that you never thought was a pull-up bar, or you could utilize as a pull-up bar. Andrew found. Or just words. He used he used a situation to time his advantage. management. He used the situation to his advantage. And he didn't just mope around. He's like, "Oh damn, we can't have a pull bar." He didn't push for it. He kept pushing. We almost got there. I mean, we could probably get there if we kept pushing. But he utilizes, and he observed, and he found a different way. Let's go in his office. The obstacle tomorrow. is the way. What? What? And ask for what? A pull-up bar. Yeah, and say that. Oh, you know, we talked about it a little while ago, and you know, why don't we say that? You know, why don't we say to him perhaps that, looking forward to this new spring season, all of us want to stay. He wants us to stay. There's we only six want to pull up bar. Yeah. We want to spend our time here. We want to pull up bar. We want to work, work longer hours. See, that's a good idea, but yeah. I don't want to, you know. No, if you, what, if you don't want to sacrifice yourself, you don't want to sacrifice I'm, your job. I'm sacrificing my Cherry Creek job for something, I wouldn't say greater, but. Marco, how many people are working there right now? Marco, how, how, how much better do you think will, you will get at pull-ups and dips from, from doing that? And from spending your time there? And from wanting to spend your time there? Because there's a pull-up bar there. And you're getting something out of it. You're getting something more than just ten, eleven freaking dollars an hour. Twelve, thirteen, fourteen, whatever you make. How, how does that I know, I know. That sounds how, how beautiful that, how to me, you but you know what? If Mark was gonna end up, like, what? Not working there? Yeah, not working. I don't know if you want me to. Say that, that's what I'm saying. It doesn't matter. That's what I'm. That's what I'm saying here. But that sounds great, Andrew. It sounds Man. great to have a pull-up bar at work and, and and make that sacrifice and prove it to Mr. Weber. But I'm not gonna be working. You're not there proving it to Weber. You're proving it to yourself. Andrew, you. That the push. Okay, push yeah, good point. Good point. Well, actually, what, I, I what Andrew was trying to say to you, Marco, was in context oh, oh, to right, how many no, people are at work. It was like what six of us left. Yeah, total. Maybe like five. Day and night. Day and night shifts. That no, means, six. and you'd be like, okay, if you want us to work longer hours, if you want us to stay there, so then we have to have a pull-up bar, so we can be able to utilize our time more. Yeah, no, no. Say that's simple as that. Because and, and, and you come, it doesn't matter. That's a salesman trick right there. It doesn't. It exactly. doesn't matter today. It doesn't matter tomorrow. But someday, we might not be here, and it might be because of this. Well, no, no, that's actually too too definitive. But the idea, like, it's not about failure, man. This abstract form of failure. You think you'll or the fallacy. You think you're going to be done if you lose your job at Cherry Creek, dude? It's not about the pull-up bar. Think about think about if if this goes through. If he's like, yeah, we'll get the pull-up bar. Imagine imagine the the fulfillment of that feeling. 
the mastery in doing that. Yes, the skill development. Yeah, the mindfulness. He'd probably be like, gentlemen, I'm just doing business. So we, we asked for it? I'm serious. Yeah, dude, if we all show up tomorrow. And we're serious. This is something we can do. I mean, hell, we offered to pay for it, but... That's not enough. And, we and, need we, to push. and we come with strict... We're like, okay, well, let's let's find a middle ground here. Like, oh, to him it might seem like a liability. Because from him, he, he's at the top of the chain at Cherry Creek. You know? He holds the business there. He tries to keep everything in check. That's a liability. Right. Well, and so... And we and we try to bring him down to, like, grassroots level. We're like, we're trying to explain it to him. We find a middle ground, you know? We find responsibility within that. Think about this. The meetings are boring as fuck, according to Dan. And Chris, too. Um... That will be a topic in the meeting. The pull-up bar. In the meetings. Think about it. And then Dan will support us in the meetings. And so will Steve. Well, we'll see if he does. Um, he probably will. I, I bet, but it'd be Packing hard. Up? It'd be hard. No, I'm not. No. I'm just trying to find my phone. Um, oh, that, that disgrace? No, don't. It's a human life? It's a tool if you use it right. Is it not? Yes. Use it as an asset for investing. Which is okay. Robert. Okay, the potential counter-arguments that Weber would have against the pull-up bar is that we spend too much time dicking around already. Why would we need an extra... Or you, you would see it see, as a distraction. See, he catches all off guard with that one. You would see it as a distraction, as if it was upstairs, and you could see other employees dicking around on it. Yes. And being like, well, some people might... This thing might tip over. Some people might hurt themselves. It's a liability. Mm-hmm. He's thinking from a business perspective. He's thinking from the most efficient well, way in, in, in the cycle. We're of thinking from an habitual perspective. No, I mean, guys, guys, why don't we just use the elevator? And we do push-ups on the ground, and we use the elevator. Maybe it's not as comfortable for your hands, but as anyone, as any, as most of you already know, that the obstacle is the way. That's true. That's why I said hmm? that. That's, that's why I point out that quote, is that you went above and beyond, and you observed the situation, and you didn't sit around and mope, or you didn't, like, just... Just fall into some, whatever, some haze. You you found something and you utilized it, you know? Yeah. You went past the failure at the moment. Like, hell, Marco, Marco, look at this. Hmm. You have a pull apart in your house. The, the I-beam. I-beam, yes. You have literally like, like a 40-foot pull apart. Well, just like this. You know how much grip strength you're going to get out of that? And, and ab work right here? Right here? Ab work? You know, you, you have stuff. You have but, one, two, probably three of you these know, in your basement. And I mean, I, I have to admit that I didn't learn on I-beams like that to do good pull-ups. I, or, or, or a lot of pull-ups, you know what I mean? You have bad I-beams? No, I have the same I-beams. But, uh... My I-beams are better. <laughs> but, no, I learned on an actual pull-up bar. But, depends your will to learn, you know? I mean, you have a workout machine back there, but it's getting a little dusty, you know? Yeah. For a long time I've been dusty. Real dusty. Why, why, Marco, why don't you, tiny habit, you take, uh, like, 10, 15, 20 minutes every day, and, you know, I mean, this is obviously, like, your dad's area storage, but, you know, you work to make, uh, like, a workout area. All the way down. Marco, Marco, do you hear what I said? Hear what I said? You do what? I said, I said, start atomic habits. Start, not, not the book. I meant, like, in reference to tiny habits. Mm -hmm. You know, 20 minutes a day, you clean out a small area of the basement, or 10 minutes every day, clean out a small area. And you make a workout area. Throw you out. Need to get back throw that. out three yeah. things a day. I started back there. Throw out three things. Yeah, a day. and you start that, that like see, 15, 20 minutes every day. Something small of just like organizing, throwing things out, making, use, utilizing that machine, utilizing the I-beam, you know, making a workout area. It's not oh, like you have to have to like, kill it all in one day and just spend like six hours. Of course. Just doing like bludgeoning I, work. When I would clean that. my room, I loved doing sections of it. 
And today I'm gonna hit under the bed. Today I'm also gonna hit in the closet. The closet looks fucking beautiful now. Well, it looks a lot better. Hey man, did I tell you I bought uh, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu? Uh, yeah, you did. Yeah. yeah. I'm going TNT. on Tuesdays. Yeah. Could you go on Tuesdays if you wanted to? I mean, I, I, I think I think that I have the option to go twice a week. Okay. So, I mean, I could probably hit Tuesdays. Hey, well, we should practice what we learn in class and meet up sometime. Of course, yeah. We've done that once already, but you didn't learn anything Dude, in class. Dude, do, do it in a field. Open field. And you, you got me. On the first and one. I got myself on the second one, if you remember that. Yeah, you did. Yeah. I still did not wrestle. And I was day. watching that video, and I was like, all I have to do is lean back. Wait, wait, you saw the video? Can I see the video? <laughs> it's so funny, it? dude. No, I was fighting. Yeah. It is so fucking funny. What, at McComb Corners? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, watch, watch. <laughs> Let's pull this shit out. No, it wasn't. So I put him down. Like, wash my hand. Watch, watch. <laughs> I thought you were just like trying to like hit me. Oh no, no! I'm so glad we got. It. Oh my god, that's so funny. Dude, we're gonna be like like black belt someday. Dude, fighting in the snow is amazing. It's dude, it's like it's just every morning I've been getting up. I've been running in the snow every morning. I did it this morning. It fires you up, man. It's a it's great. <laughs> or no, I didn't do it. I ran in the gym. Like 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 watch it, watch it. Watch how fast I put my arm up. Like, like. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Japanese show, show Ben, oh my god, Show Ben. Dude, send me that video. Send it. Yeah, remember that. Wait, wait. Watch, you... watch, 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 watch. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, I'm like, Marco, you know you're tapping Andrew's ass. He's like, I didn't know. I didn't know that at all. You're just like trying to tap out for dear life, man. Yeah, dude, he was choking yeah. me, dude. Oh my god, you're so... <laughs> <laughs> choking me bad. Did and, you do That reminds me of the video. Yeah. Nice. Like a 240 pound like bodybuilder, a weightlifter. Who's fighting like the 170 pound yes. man? Yes, Andrew. The BJJ. Question. Yeah, we watched that. Yeah. Whatever happened to the um? Four pants, hippie. <laughs> <laughs> Marco's not far off, man. Oh, oh no! <laughs> <laughs> uh, Getting serious now. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, cut. Is that the end of it? We can end it, sure. Yeah. <laughs>